Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Uh, so we're going to look into this last message in the, the, the series on Colossians. And actually what we're going to talk about today a little bit is friendship, because this passage leads us towards talking about friendship. Uh, friendship is a really good thing. Friendship is something that I'm not always as good at as I'd like to be. I'm, I'm an introvert by nat- nature, um, and so I'm really good with like one to three friends. And some of you are like, no, nah, Kellen, you're just only good at having one to three friends because you're not, not no, I, I get that, I, okay, I only have one to three good friends sometimes. Some of you are like extroverts, though. You've got to have like 23 different friends that are really close. I couldn't do it. I'd, I, I would not know how to maintain that kind of close friendships with everybody. Um, but obviously, friendships are something that we need. And I developed, I'm grateful I developed a really good friendship with the girl who became my wife. Uh, we started, before we even started dating, we became good friends. Um, now, and then there's some other good friendships that have come into my life after that. And one of those friendships I actually want to talk to you a little bit about today. Um, I heard this name, Ben Bright, for the first time when I was uh, about a freshman in college. Crystal's roommate actually went to high school with this guy named Ben. And I was going to be going to Bible school. He was actually going to the same Bible school. And so I remember her writing it on a piece of paper. His name, Ben Bright, said, you need to look him up when you go to Bible school. So I went to Bible school, and the introvert that I am, I never even thought about looking him up. Just didn't even think about it. And we never, we never connected uh, during our time at Bible school. But then I went back up to my hometown of Manaqua, and I was youth pastor there. And he was a youth pastor actually right across the road here at New Life in Janesville. And we started taking our kids to the same Bible camp every summer. And the first time, the first summer that we took kids to this Bible camp, we kind of started to get to know each other a little bit. Now at the end of the week, so we've gone Monday through Friday, and it gets to Friday morning. And Friday morning, I, I was the rec director at camp, and so my job on Friday morning was to get up on the stage and to tell all the kids what the scores were for the color team competitions that we had that week. And so he's talking to me outside of this worship center, uh, right before I'm about to go, and he's like, so, hey, Kellen, do you know what you're going to do to tell all the kids? Like, how are you going to do this in a cool way? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to be loud and obnoxious like usual. Like, that's what I do. He goes, I got an idea. Right there, I should have just walked away. He, he goes, how about we take you into the room on somebody's shoulder, and you're going to be my dummy. And you're just going to sit on my lap, and you're going to mouth out everything I say. You know, because you're a dummy. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, but this way I don't have to talk. Let's do it. And so he, he, there's this big, strong guy, a friend of ours named Dan. He throws me up on his shoulder. I'm like a rag doll to him. Just throws me on his shoulder, and I go limp, and it carries me in, puts me on Ben's lap. I'm telling you guys, it was, it was one of the funniest things I've ever done in my entire life. Him and I, I don't know if the kids were laughing, but we were laughing the whole time through it. Now, this is the same guy. If you've ever watched, there's a video of me rapping at this camp. Um, and if you look up on YouTube, White Rapper Epic Fail, you will find it as the number one spot. I think it's got 77,000 views. It was on uh, MTV's Ridiculousness. It was pretty awesome um, in a very embarrassing way. He's on the stage with me, and he, when I fall off the stage, he falls down on the ground laughing. So that's my friend. And so we, we got to do stuff on this stage for a long time after that. We, he ended up becoming one of my best friends. 
um, one of those friends that I can trust, one of those friends that honestly uh, was about as close to, I only had sisters growing up, he's about as close to a brother as I've had. Um, and sometimes you don't know where, where a great friendship is going to develop from. If I hadn't told you that it was going to develop from him saying I should be a dummy, I, I, I wouldn't have thought we would have been that good of friends. But sometimes friendships come from in places you wouldn't expect. Uh, and most of the time, these really great friendships, i got to be honest with you, they come in the context of Christ-centered relationship. There is something about following Jesus that unites people. Some of the people that I've been friends with, because they follow Jesus, and we have nothing else in common whatsoever, it's fascinating. Uh, there's something about Jesus that unites people in a way that nothing else can. And so as I've said, today we're, we're going to be looking at this last message in this book of Colossians. Um, it's been fantastic to go through this whole book with you guys. And, and a few weeks ago, I said when I stood up here, this is one of the most difficult messages that I've ever probably had to preach on. It was one on wives submitting to your husbands, uh, talked about slavery, things like that. Um, I'm not going to preach that again right now. But if you, if you want to hear about that, you can go back onto our, onto our Central and Janesville podcast. You can hear it. Um, but this one's difficult for another reason. It's not necessarily difficult because Paul says anything controversial. It's honestly difficult, if I'm going to be totally honest with you, because he's just saying a bunch of names of a bunch of people. And he's talking about these friends that he has and friends in, his, in the church in Coloss. And you, it's one of those passages, if you're reading through it on your daily devotional, you probably just kind of skim through it and you walk away and you're like, I just read names. But I think that there's some stuff we can get here. The question for today is this. Can we pick up some insight into God's gift of friendship as we read this, this closing to Paul's letter? There is beauty in the church, I think, as you have people alongside of you trying to walk with Jesus, walking step in step with you as well. We need friendship, especially in the church. We need friendship to be at our best. And I think one of God's really truly greatest gifts, it is this gift of friendship. Even for somebody like me, like, I feel like I can just, I could be alone all day long sometimes and I would feel totally right in the world. But the truth is, we all need this close bond of friendship. And so let's, let's read through this passage. Uh, there's a bunch of names that I had to, to go on YouTube and find out how they were actually pronounced. So if they sound different than what you've heard, I'm trying to get it right, okay? So this is Colossians 4, 7 through 18. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear friend, our brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, because you don't want to talk, call anybody else Jesus, because that could be confusing, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, uh, and they have proved a comfort for me. Epiphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and, that, and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. 
After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, uh, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Here's one thing that you can take from this. If you've ever wondered if this letter was a letter written by a real dude named Paul, this, this closing is actually a pretty telltale sign that it is. He's writing about real people, real specific friends, to real people in the Colossian church. So we can see that this letter is a real thing. And so what I want to do, though, today is I want to take three of these people that he talks about and the, the, the idea of friendship that he brings up when he talks about those people. Um, so the first gift, gift of friendship that I want us to look at today is the gift of a trusted friend. Uh, you might, might actually think of it the gift of a faithful friend. So who is Paul's trusted friend? And it's this first guy that he lists out, which is Tychicus. I have always said Tychicus until this morning when I listened to it on YouTube. And hopefully the guy that's on YouTube, because everything on YouTube is right. Hopefully it's right now that he, he said it's Tychicus. So that's what I'm saying today, okay guys? Um, Paul describes him in verse 7 as faithful. Now, he's not necessarily calling him a faithful friend. He says that he is a faithful minister. He's faithful in ministry. Uh, you know, in, when we use the word minister, our context of using the word minister is somebody who's paid by a church to do the work of ministry. It's not exactly the context that Paul would have been using this term ministry. He's saying simply, it's his way of saying that, that Tychicus is someone whom Jesus is working through in his, in his serving of the church. And so while Tychicus is serving the church and he's being a faithful servant in the church, in that context he is being a faithful friend to Paul because that's Paul's idea of what his life is all about. This guy is faithful and trustworthy. And I'm telling you, that is the kind of person that we want around us. They, it's not like it's a dime a dozen, that they're just everywhere. We want friends like this. But I want you to think about this. Don't just think about this today as we talk about this idea of friendship as, okay, these are the kinds of people I need to start looking for. Think about this as, am, am, am I actually being this kind of friend to other people? Am I, am I serving uh, to be one that gives this gift of friendship the way that, that Paul would be talking about in this passage? Is this me? Am I faithful? Am I unwavering in my friendship with people? Am I trustworthy in everything? In fact, Tychicus, he's so reliable that Paul essentially has made him uh, an ambassador for him to this Colossian church. He's sent him to this church in class to like, hey, tell him what I want you to tell him. He's actually made him the mailman. He's given this letter to Tychicus and said, you need to go take it. Now, that doesn't seem like a big thing because we give we give all of our letters to USPS or FedEx or whatever, and we just trust that they're going to get there. Back in this day, it was a little different. The, the trip from Rome to Colossus, it was difficult. So you had to give it to somebody who was trustworthy, somebody who wasn't going to back down when it got tough because they had to make the journey themselves. For Paul, Tychicus is a friend who makes it happen when it needs to happen. He gets the job done. Paul doesn't have to worry that he's going to come through when things get difficult. That's a really good friend to have. Now, I want to be a little bit honest with you this morning. Faithful friends, uh, it's one of the things that I think 
it's probably the most important thing in friendship to me is somebody who's faithful. Uh, when I was young, I think I have a little bit of a PTSD thing from my life as a pastor's kid. Because uh, when I was young, there, you've got this church around you, and, and, and I, was, I was invested in the church probably more than anywhere else in my life. And that's where your friendships come from. That's where the people that you trust come from. And being a pastor's kid, there were times where people didn't stay in the church all the time. And I started to feel like I couldn't trust people because the moment that maybe they would leave the church, all of a sudden that friendship was gone. And it felt like nobody was just friends with us just to be friends with us. Uh, sometimes I'd, I'd wonder, okay, are, are people being nice to me because I'm, because I'm my dad's son, I'm the pastor's son? Are people nice to our family because of that? And, and I remember one family specifically, and, and I name them by name, the Costello family. Because they were a, a family, I'm telling you, they were faithful to us as a family. They, they would invite us over for cards. They didn't pretend like they were perfect around us. They were okay with, uh, it's okay for the pastor's family to see that, that we're not perfect, just like we know they're not perfect. They didn't think of us as the pastor's family. It was Wendell, Sherry, Nikki, Kellen, and Kedra. It, we were individual people. Um, and there was something really powerful for that for me. In a time in my life where, honestly, I had started to lose trust in people. Because it just felt like all the time, it's like people were going to leave us as friends. And now, that doesn't just happen in the church world. That happens in real life. I think every single one of us, we've experienced that. Uh, you've had a friend at work, and something goes wrong, and all of a sudden, that friendship just goes haywire. And so you start to lose trust. We need faithful friends who are friends with us, not because that there's any political gain in it. It's amazing how many times friendships are, are, are there because of some kind of political gain for one person or the other. That's not being a faithful friend. That's not being a friend like Tychicus was to Paul. I think there, there, there's something really awesome. In my time that I've been here in Janesville, we've had some, some really good friends that have been in this church who have decided for whatever reason, see, I've got a little bit more nuance now that I'm older. I understand that people sometimes just, it's time to go to a different church. Okay. And some of these friends that have actually left the church in the time that I've been there, we've still gone over and had dinner with them. They've still come over and had dinner with us. We can be friends even though things, circumstances, situations change in life. We need friends who are faithful. I want faithful friends. I want to be a faithful friend to other people. I want to be a friend to people not because of what I can get out of them, but what I can actually bring to them in relationship. Now, I don't do that well all the time, but that should be the goal for every single one of us. I want to know that you're going to be a friend who won't turn your back on me. I want you to know I'm, not, I'm going to be a friend who's not going to turn my back on you. Even if one of us does something that maybe gives us reason to turn our back. You think about being faithful, and I think about Jesus. Jesus is faithful to us. I do so many things. Every single day I do something that Jesus would have every right to be like, Kellen, I'm kind of done. Just, like, you did it again. You literally said you were sorry for that a minute ago, and you did it again. That, I, I give reason to, to Jesus if he wanted to walk out, but he sticks closer than a brother. You know, there's a proverb that actually talks about that, the beauty of a faithful friend who sticks closer than a brother. And it says in Proverbs 18, 24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
why I haven't always been super huge on having tons and tons of friends. Because people are unreliable. We all are. But here's the truth. In friendship, there are certain people that I would actually be unreliable to. There are other people that I would be completely reliable for, faithful to all the time. Because we all have faults. We all have these weaknesses in us as human beings. And so we're not always going to be a perfect friend to, to every, everybody. We can try to be, but we're not going to always make it. Many friends is not what we necessarily always need. One faithful friend who will, who will be reliable can go so much further than a ton of friends. And for Paul, one Tychicus was better than 30 random friends who he would not be able to fully trust. He couldn't send just anybody to the city of Colossus with this letter to give to the Colossian church. He needed somebody that was faithful. And go back to this. Jesus is our example of what it looks like to be a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus shows us genuine love and care even through all of the faults that, that exist inside of us. He displays genuine friendship and remains faithful even when we don't. And so I want you to see this on the screen. Find a faithful friend whose center is Jesus and you will find a friend that adds value and life to you that you might not have known you even needed. But then on the other, other side of that, be a faithful friend whose center is Jesus and you will find yourself growing into the likeness of Christ who is faithful at the deepest part of his character. Some of this is just a character issue. And, and as we grow in this faithful, faithful friend stuff, we will start to look more like Jesus in the way that we live. And so, being a faithful, trustworthy friend, it is a gift from God. There's a second part of, of this gift of friendship that I think we see in this passage. And it's the gift of a loyal friend. Now, who was the loyal friend to Paul? It is a guy by the name of Aristarchus. And Aristarchus actually comes up in another part of Scripture. We see in, in the book of Acts in chapter 19, Aristarchus is with Paul while he is in the city of Ephesus. And in Ephesus, Paul is preaching hardcore. He's telling the people, these gods that are made by your hands, they got no value. And the people in Ephesus, they got really mad about it. Because they loved the God that they had created with their hands named Artemis. And so as they're preaching, all of a sudden this mob starts to take over. And they start closing in on Paul and his followers, one of them being Aristarchus. And it says in Acts 19.29, Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus. His name's going to be tough. Uh, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater together. Here in this letter, we see that Aristarchus is Paul's fellow prisoner. He calls him my fellow prisoner. So what happened in Ephesus hasn't scared Aristarchus away. He is sitting there right with Paul in prison. He has given up his rights to minister not only to the people out here, but also to Paul himself. He's been a loyal friend. I don't know if I could have stuck out what Aristarchus chose to stick out. I don't do well with mob mentality. If there's like two people, I'm joking around with two people and like physically joking around with them and they come at me, and even if I know they're joking, I get scared. And I cower. And I get in a corner and I just cover my head and I say, stop. Don't do it. I'm not good with mobs coming after me. And I would have given up way before Aristarchus did. All right? But loyalty is it's sort of an extension of this trusted friend that we talked about with Tychicus. 
It's showing an allegiance to someone else that's firm and constant no matter what. And for Aristarchus, that's the kind of loyalty that he showed to Paul. I want to say this too. I don't think loyalty just comes uh, from the people that are closest to us. Loyalty, I think, is actually a character trait. Some of the closest people that you're going to find in your life, it, they may not be close in terms of like you tell them everything, but they're the people that are loyal to you no matter what. I was reading a story uh, just this week looking at this passage. Um, there's a story I read about a, a guy who had three friends. And the first friend was like his absolute favorite friend. Loved him more than anybody else. They, they just they did everything together. They were great friends. He had a second friend who was like next tier down. Really good friend. They did a lot of stuff together, but it wasn't quite what that first friend was. He had a third friend that they didn't really hang out a lot, but they were, they were cordial with one another. They had, they had a solid relationship. And what happened with this guy is he had a situation where the king called him to his court. Now, when a king calls you to their court, that can be a really good thing. It can be a really awful thing. And so the guy got really scared right off the bat. He's like, I got to go to the king's court. I could actually die. And so he calls up his first friend, the one that he loves more than anybody else. And he says, hey, will you, will you come to the king's court with me? Uh, I don't know what I got to go there for. I'm, I'm kind of terrified. And the friend says, you know what? I got a lot of other friends. I got a lot of other things going on. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I just can't go with you. The guy was hurt. And so he calls up the second friend. He's like, hey, I got to go to the king's court. I, I don't want to go there alone. I need somebody to go with me. Friend says, you know what? I'll go with you up to the gate. That, and I, that's as far as I can go. So at this point, this guy is hurt. He feels let down. And in some embarrassment, he gets a hold of his third friend, the friend that he doesn't see very much. And he feels bad even asking him. He's like, I, I, don't, I feel bad even having to ask you this, but I got to go to the king's court. I am terrified. I need somebody with me. Nobody else is coming. And this third friend is like, man, I, I know a little bit about the king. I, I, of course I will go with you and I will stand there with you and I will talk to the king in, on, any, on your behalf in any way that I can. And you see what happened there. You've got three friends. Two of them were a lot closer to the person. One wasn't as close, but that last friend was the real friend, was the loyal friend. Loyalty like that is really hard to find. And it comes sometimes from people that you would least expect it to come from. Sometimes it comes from people in a church setting that you would never expect would become that kind of friend to you. There's nothing in common except your love for Jesus. I think as I've grown older, I've found that the best friends that you can find, they are not necessarily the people that you have the most fun with. In fact, maybe some young people need to hear this, sometimes the people that you have the most fun with they're the people that you probably need to get away from the most, the first, okay? Like, get away from them. They're maybe not healthy. The best friends are not necessarily the most popular. They're not even necessarily the most kind ones. They're the ones that will be there no matter what, through thick and thin, loyalty. We need friends who are loyal. And it's interesting to think about the loyalty of Jesus. We probably are people that are guilty of thinking more often about how I have to be loyal to Jesus. I have to show my loyalty to Jesus. I have to show my faithfulness to Jesus. But in truth, Jesus' loyalty to us so far outweighs any kind of loyalty that I could give to Jesus, it, I can't even express it. His loyalty to us is amazing. He sticks with us through thick and thin. Who here hasn't neglected Jesus for a time in their life? 
Who here uh, hasn't gone out of your way almost to do something that was un-Jesus-like, knowing that you were doing something un-Jesus-like, yet when you called on Jesus, he was there for you? Because he's always there for us. Uh, God's loyal character, it shows up through Scripture. De- Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the, Lord your, uh, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. I love this idea in Scripture that even to a thousand generations away from you, God will be loyal to those next generations because he loves us. Because he cares for us. We see his loyalty first and foremost in what he did on the cross. That is a, a forever loyal kind of, kind of feat that he did on that cross. We need friends who show us that kind of loyalty. We need to learn to be a friend who is loyal even when loyalty is not earned. That's the thing about loyalty. Loyalty is not necessarily something that should be earned. This is a character thing inside of all of us. How loyal of a person are you to people who maybe just need somebody who's loyal to them? Because a lot of times what happens is when, when people mess up, everybody walks away from them. Some of the people that are easiest to love in the world, I think, are the people who mess up the most. Because they're the ones that are most in need of love. They're the ones that most need a loyal friend. How are you choosing to be loyal to people? Maybe there's some rights that God is asking you to be willing to give up to show some loyalty to the people in your life. So we've looked at these two things, a trusting friendship, which is a faithful friendship, a, a loyal friendship, and I want to look real quick at a third, a third friend that, uh, that Paul talks about, this third gift of friendship. And this is the gift of a praying friend. Who is Paul's praying friend that he talks about here? It's a dude named Epiphras. Again, I've called him Epaphras my whole life until this morning, you guys. Epaphras. And here's what Paul says about him. He says, He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Anybody ever have a grandma that just prays for you all the time? Everybody should have a grandma like that. We all need that. That's why I love people, uh, grandparents age people who they're like, you know what? I got tons of grandkids that aren't even my grandkids, and I'm just going to pray for them. Because we need people who are willing to pray for us. Um, there is such a gift of friendship in this, in this kind of friend. And last week, we actually talked about this. We talked about us being people who pray for others, especially people who don't know Jesus. Uh, I want to challenge you again to think about maybe the five names that you wrote down on a piece of paper of people that you want to be praying for before Easter. There is something powerful in us being praying people for the people around us. And like we talked about last week, do your prayers consist of me kingdom prayers or Christ kingdom prayers, God kingdom prayers? Are you praying that God's kingdom is going to expand and grow in people's lives or are you praying that your kingdom is going to expand? See, Epiphras was not that kind of person who was praying for his kingdom. I want you to see how, uh, how he was be- being described as by Paul. Paul said he was always wrestling in prayer for the Colossian church. Another word for that was agonizing. He was always agonizing in prayer for this church. And it actually is the same Greek root word that is used when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, The night that Jesus was betrayed by one of his friends, Judas, he was in this garden and he was praying. And he knew what was about to happen. Not just that he was going to die, but that he was going to take on all of our sins. 
and they were going to be put on him on that cross. And he didn't really want any part of it, to have the father turn his face from it. It just, it didn't sound awesome. And so he starts praying, and, and it says this, being in anguish, Luke twenty two forty four, and being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I have never prayed like that before in my life. It is a physiological thing that can happen in that moment of stress where a person can actually start to sweat out drops of blood. I never prayed like that before. I don't want to ever pray like that, ever. That sounds excruciating. But it's the same word that Paul uses for epiphras, this agonizing in prayer. Do you have a friend that's willing to agonize in prayer for you when the time calls for it? Maybe more important to how, how you need to be thinking through this passage is this. Are you a friend who's willing to agonize in prayer for another friend when they need it? What Paul says in Galatians, I think, is really on point for what we're talking about here. Galatians 6, 2, he says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We need to bear each other's burdens. We do that through loyalty. We do that through being faithful, trustworthy. But we also do that through this, this idea of prayer. We are not meant to be people who live in isolation. The fact that, that we even in the, in the church today, that we think that we can live in isolation uh, as a part of the church, it is completely outside of the realm of thinking in the way that the New Testament writers write about the church. We are not called to live in isolation. We're called to, to be together, to be a community of people. But we live in an individualistic society. Most people have a very individualistic worldview. We don't think about the world the way the early church did, where we, we come together and everything, we, we just kind of share life together. But this individualistic worldview, it's actually in opposition to this Christian community that, that Paul and these other writers talk about. We're meant to live our faith out in the context of community. So my, my question for you this morning is, do you have friends like Paul? Uh, do you have friends like Paul had friends? My guess is that all of us, we have, we have some parts of these friendships in our lives that we've talked about this morning, and my guess is that we've got other parts of these friendships that, that it, it's just not there. But healthy community is important if, if we're going to be healthy people, and we need to be people that are seeking out healthy community. If you don't have this kind of friendship uh, community, a lot of times I think it's because we think that the people around us are falling short. So much of the time, the reason that we think that we don't have the relationships we need is because we look around and we go, this person's failed me, this person's failed me, everybody fails me, so I don't have what I need from a community. I think we need to try to change that mindset just a little bit. Maybe we need to see the people around us as God's gift of friendship for our lives rather than people who never meet our needs. Maybe we need to look to be the friend to other people that somebody else isn't being to us. It's amazing when we start to change our mindset in that how all of a sudden things start to come together in a way that, that they haven't been. I want to leave you with... Uh, a, a little thing that this guy named Parker Palmer wrote that I think really fits for us today. He says, In true community, we will not choose our companions, for our choices are so often limited by self-serving motives. Instead, our companions will be given to us by grace. 
often they will be persons who will upset our settled view of self and world. In fact, we might define true community as that place where the person you least want to live with lives. What does that mean? It means we have a church community. God has given us a church community, and it may not always be everything that we wish it would be. It may not be the exact kind of people that we always wish that it would be, but God has given us a gift of friendship in that, that if we seek it out and we try to be the kind of friend that, that God is calling us to be, that friendship happens. I'm telling you it happens. I mean, I think about my friend who passed away this last year, Bernice Bray. She died at 92. I consider that woman such an amazing friend to me. She was 92. I never would have thought this tiny little lady who's really old would have been my friend like that. But I'm telling you, God brings friendship in places that we would not expect. But we have to seek it out. God has given us a gift of friendship. You can be the answer to that gift of friendship in somebody else's life. You can be that trustworthy, that loyal, that prayerful friend for somebody else. But the more that you keep that friendship to yourself, the more that you're going to find yourself wanting community that is just not there. So what I want us to do today is I want us to commit to, to living out this kind of friendship. Jesus was trustworthy and loyal before we ever deserved it. Who is that person in your life today that needs you to be the trustworthy, faithful, loyal friend, the praying friend, before they deserve it? All of us have that. Let's choose to be that friend. And I think as we choose to be that friend, we will start to see the right kind of community come into our lives. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.